it comes down to America. There is a gap between where people need to be and there's a gap in financial literacy. If you look at the data, it's like 42% of Americans are not saving money for retirement. And I think by some measure, it's like 66% of people have little to no retirement savings. So there's a problem there. Podcast Junkies, episode 174. I am in Yonkers, New York. I'm on the road again in my parents' house. For those of you that are new to the show, you may not know that I was raised in Yonkers. For those of you that are uh, long-time listeners, you'll know that I've recorded a couple of intros <laughs> from the same room. Uh, it's actually not the room. Well, it's it was a room I did share with my brother at one point. So I did uh, sleep in here for a bit, and then eventually I graduated and got my own room. But it's always fun to be back home and get some memories of uh, the life you used to lead. So uh, get to spend some time on the East Coast here, and then going to go into the city for some meetings. I'm here after having spent a week in uh, Podcast Movement, Podcast Movement in Philly, year five in the books. It was a total whirlwind. And looking back, uh, there's so many things I wish I had done um, in terms of reaching out to folks and um, spending more time with um, new connections. But when you see so many old friends, your natural instinct is to spend time with them. And that's what happened this year. Uh, karaoke night, including uh, that in the mix. It's always a good time. And it's just a nice reminder of the relationships I've built over the years. And so bittersweet when you're leaving and always looking forward to next year. I'm actually looking forward to hanging out at, back in Philly in MapCon in early September and PodFest in uh, March in February. So um, actually, I'm going to be in another conference in Australia at um, We Are Podcast, and that's going to be in October. So lots of podcast-related events. Going to try to make it to DC PodFest in November to support my friend Jennifer uh, Crawford. And uh, as you might imagine, lots of podcast-related activities, uh, including connections I made um, there, new folks doing interesting things. And um, it's not going to be one of those recaps of everything I learned at Podcast Movement, but I thought it should um, mention it, given that it's fresh and top of my mind. And uh, it's why I'm on the East Coast, part of the reason why I'm in, on the East Coast now. So in case you missed last week's episode, we spoke to Barney Waters, host of CEOs Wear Sneakers. And it's a fascinating uh, journey from him in, in terms of how he got into the sneaker culture and the good things he's doing in partnering with the folks, uh, the likes of Gary Vaynerchuk, aka Gary V, and this idea of uh, entrepreneurs being the new celebrities, which I thought was fascinating. So you'll enjoy that episode 173. And this week we speak to Andy Wang. Andy Wang is host of Inspired Money. I actually got to see Andy in passing a couple of times at Podcast Movement. And we never got to sit down and actually have a conversation in person. But uh, in order to make up for that, we present this week's episode. Uh, we talk about how Andy prepared to have uh, Zach Penn, the screener, screenwriter, of Ready, Play, Ready Player One on his podcast, which I thought was fascinating. What opened the door for Andy to start his own podcast? Um, how he learned to play this slack-keyed guitar from a legend, uh, Raymond Kane? 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 I knew I'm gonna, I was going to mess that up as soon as I saw it in print, so <laughs> hopefully one of those are, cor are correct, and someone can definitely correct me. Uh, why he chose the title of his podcast, 
and why making the world a better place is so important for him. We talk about the surprisingly varied guests that Andy has had on his show and what excites him about the future of his podcast. As always, full show notes available at podcastjunkies forward slash 174. So uh, no sponsors this week. I just want you to get straight into the episode. It's been a couple of days since I've had uh, one come out. So I thought I'd let you get straight to it. So enjoy my conversation with Andy. So Andy Wang, host of Inspired Money. Thank you for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Thank you, Harry. It's so great to be here. It's the the requisite uh, origin story every time I have a guest because at this point, my listeners know, I never know where I'm going to find my next guest because a lot of them happen in conferences, as you might imagine, if you have a podcasting, a show about podcasting and you go to a podcasting conference, people come up to you and like, well, you know, I should be on your show. <laughs> and I just, I, I don't know that I have a hard and fast rule, like we were discussing pre-show about how I pick people, but I think I now just follow my gut and I go with my instinct and I saw what you were doing. Uh, I was, you posted something about uh, some, a, a way you're testing out the new uh, audiogram features, I think from, was it from Headliner, right? Yeah, it was a Headliner Spearman. Yes. I've and tried so, a couple of them, but yeah. And what I, what I loved is it was uh, based off of your interview of the, uh, of, of Zach Penn, the director of Ready Player One, and it looked like you put a little bit of time into it. It's not one of those like, just pick the standard options and then auto generate. You thought about what you wanted to do. So I was like, well, this guy is either really loves the movie or <laughs> is, is that combination of just, you know, because podcasters have that combination of just like interest in their, in their topic, but then there's just that, that geek love of technology aspect of it. So I imagine it's a mix of it. So maybe you can kind of, we can start there and then tell you what you're thinking as you're putting that together. Well, I will confess to you, Harry, I still have not seen the movie yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I haven't either. I think it's just a case of me going down the rabbit hole on that one. I was super excited to have Zach Penn on as a guest. I did the research, the prerequisite research, mm-hmm. um, trying to understand Ernie Klein's book, which I haven't read yet either. I have a long list of things to do. I was just super excited to have him on the podcast and to interview him about screenwriting and his experience, his unique experience, having been a very young guy who moved out to Hollywood right after college Mm -hmm. and really quickly sold a screenplay, I think, within a year. So in less than yeah, inside of a year, he and his writing partner sold their screenplay. And he's just had this 25-year successful career. And I mean, you're out in LA. I'm sure that you know a lot of aspiring screenwriters and actors. Not everybody's path goes that way. So mm-hmm. they'd like it to. They would like it to. But it's tough out there. It's, it's a tough business. And, and some of that came through in the interview. But um, yeah, because of that, I got really excited about oh, how can I let people know that this exists. And I'm still struggling with that, you know, trying to figure out how to do that better. But audiograms is one way that I've tried. And I guess because in the spirit of this Steven Spielberg movie, I kind of got carried away with the audiogram. I'm like, how can I... I started feeling like I was creating a movie out of this, uh, you know, six second audiogram. But I had fun with it. And I think that's just part of the experience. The whole... The whole podcasting experience is very experimental for me. A good creative outlet, I think, in many ways. The audiogram is just one example of that. I get that, yeah, because podcasters are creators. And so when they find tools that help them, you know, tap into that creativity, I've, ha- I've had the same experience with tools like audiogram and just 
sitting there. There's something, even the editing in the beginning, I don't do it a lot of it now because we, we have, I have a business now that does that and we do that for our clients and we work with editors. But I remember in the beginning, I, there was something therapeutic about editing my own episode. And I long for the days when I had the, the hours to just sit there <laughs> and edit episodes. It was just, just fun. And so sometimes these little tools come up to make our lives easier to share because it's so, such a challenge. We wear so many hats as new podcasters. We have to be the the producer, we have to be the audio engineer, we have to be the web guy, we have to be the marketer, we have to be the social media person, <laughs> we have to go out in person and, and just tell so many people about it. It's, it's a lot of work to get people to notice with so many, I think the latest numbers, 350,000 podcasts in, in, in the Apple uh, ecosystem. It is a lot. That is, that is the nature of being a showrunner. You wear many, yes. many hats. And yeah, I mean, right now I'm doing everything from conceptual, having conceptualized the show to booking guests to the editing. I mean, you're right. That is a creative outlet. Sometimes it's like a masochistic one, I think, because it's so time consuming. But you know, it is what it is. You you can choose to, you know, you can choose how much you're how much time you're gonna spend on it. Yes. When did you realize that it was uh you 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 must have started listening to podcasts and before uh, and I'm wondering how long before you thought about starting your own. Yeah, you know, I haven't really thought about the timeline, but like many people, my podcast listening adventure started with Serial. And that kind of opened the doors to listening to all kinds of other shows, um, whether it's business development or marketing, uh, how to grow one's business since um, I'm part of a family-owned business. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I have a hobby of playing music too. So I listen to songwriter or songwriting podcasts really just trying to learn all the time, whatever that may be. Have you listened to Song Exploder? You're the second person who asked me that in the last week. The answer is no, but okay. I, I need to check it out desperately. Yeah. I listened to these two guys out of Liverpool, Soda Jerker podcast. Okay. You know, they sit down and really dissect people's uh, songwriting technique. And it's so individualistic. Uh, so it's really interesting to to hear how people have come up with their hit songs and you know there are similarities but it's different too so you were talking about this the these songs and there's there's a show uh, this npr show and i i wish i could remember it but it's along those lines of like untold stories in in music and they were talking about the the one of these oh louie louie is they were talking about the song louie louie and how they totally butchered it it was it was actually a, a cover because the original was done by someone who didn't become famous but the one that become famous and the one that's in animal animal house and they were talking about that they did a take. And if you listen to it, there's actually like a curse in it because they screwed up. And it was like, that's the one that they published with. But I like those types of stories as well. Sort of like these behind the scenes stories that, um, and it sounds like you, you relate a lot to the, from a music perspective. What, what type of music do you play? I play Hawaiian music. I've played many different styles of music back in college, which is further and further away. It was like 24 years ago. I was playing like in a punk, hardcore ska band. Wow. Uh, and then I tell people that I got old <laughs> and in middle age, I am now playing acoustic Hawaiian slacky guitar. Slacky. Yeah. Slacky guitar. So this is music that dates back to the mid to late 1800s. Hmm. Uh, the Hawaiian islands did not have, you know, stringed instruments originally. The ukulele that it's very well known was imported yeah. from Portugal. And the, you know, six string steel guitar or even nylon string guitar came from California. The um, 
Mexican cowboys brought them to Hawaii to teach the locals how to herd cattle. So mm. this is cowboy music and, uh, you know, really folk, folk music, some Hawaiian lyrics and, you know, beautiful acoustic guitar tr- tradition. What's your connection to Hawaii? My wife was born and raised there. Okay. So that's a big part. My first time out there, I think I was 15 years old, 15 or 16 years old. And it's just such a special place. I mean, the, the scenery, you have ocean, you have mountains. The weather is always amazing. It's like 70 to 80 degrees every day, year round. And uh, my mom's side of the family, she has some cousins there too. So we have some connections. But through many, many uh, trips, especially visiting my wife's family, my mother-in-law is there, you know, really fell in love with the music and have been fortunate enough to spend some time with some of the Hawaiian guitar masters too. You know, like so many indigenous cultures, you know, there were, there's a situation where a lot of the culture was throughout time, like nearly lost or different traditions were, you know, not allowed to be practiced. So the locals who carry on those cultural traditions, they're very generous um, to those who want to learn because they want to perpetuate that art form and keep the culture alive. So yeah, some crazy adventures. Um, It's very different from if I loved Eric Clapton, like the odds of me seeking Eric Clapton out and like going to his house are very, very small. But, you know, in a sort of smaller folk tradition, it does happen. Like, uh, I think my first live show, I was living in Boston and saw these three guys, uh, Raymond Kane, Keola Beamer, and George Kahumoku Jr. And these are three, you know, masters of the art form. Mm-hmm. And I got to see them play. And then years later, I sent a letter to Raymond Kane because he had his address in his CD liner notes. And I just wrote him a letter saying, Dear Mr. Kane, I'm going to be in Honolulu these dates. Would love... Well, actually, you know what I asked him? I asked him, are you performing anywhere? Because I saw you perform in Boston. I would love to see you perform again. Didn't really expect to hear back from him, but totally forgot about it by the time I actually flew with my wife into the airport in Honolulu and my sister-in-law picked us up and we're just sitting in the back seat. And she says to me, Andy, um, you got a phone call earlier today. Uh, Raymond Kane called. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah. And I thought that he was a telemarketer when he asked, is Andy there? So I said no. And I hung up the phone. And I was like, oh my gosh, you hung up the phone on Raymond Kane. He's like a He's like a legendary Hawaiian slacky guitar player. Oh my God. And she says, he immediately called back. This is Raymond Kane. Is Andy Wong there? And she she said, uh, he's not in yet. So that was the beginning of me going out to the other side of the island for guitar lessons, I think for $25 an hour. And, uh, you know, just hanging out with this guy. And it was incredible. The reason for that was that he suffered from, uh, he had like a breathing problem because he was also a welder in his mm. younger years. So he told me he was not performing anywhere because he couldn't handle smoke. Like he couldn't handle playing in the bars and there being smoke in the air. So he just really wasn't performing publicly very much. But he said, oh, do you want to come out to my house? And I said, hell yeah, <laughs> sure. Wow. And so uh, is he still alive? 
he is not alive. He is uh, passed on. But yeah, I think it was um, mid to late 90s, probably for about five or six years that every time I went back to Honolulu, I'd drive out to his place wow. and spend some time with him and his wife. And then inevitably leave with like some CDs and books or something. Even if I had them yeah. already, I'd be like, sure, I'll, I'll get another CD <laughs> and give it, I'll give them away as gifts. Yeah, you really can't say no to, to Raymond Kane when he's, any, with anything he offers, I would imagine, if you're, if you're, especially if you're a fan, yeah. Yeah, and I tell people it was like a little bit, it was like one part guitar lesson and the second part was a real lesson in aloha and like, you know, the aloha spirit, this generosity. Aloha means hello, goodbye, and love all in one word. So, you know, it's really special to uh, spend some time with them and feel so welcomed in their home. I get the sense that that experience affected you or, or made you see those types of relationships in a different way. And I'm wondering if it's colored how you live your life or, or, a relation, or it's colored how you interact with people who may now be fans of your work, right? <laughs> and you kind of think of that in a way as you grow. And, and there, there, we can always teach people because we always think we have nothing to teach. But when we realize we've been doing something for, whether it's the guitar, whether it's podcasting, whether it's building a, a business, at some point, you know, there's a shift that happens and people c start coming to you. And, and I think when we've been blessed to have experiences like that with mentors or people we, we admire, I think we, a lot of that rubs off on us. Yeah, it's really impressed upon me two things. One is that during one of my initial visits uh, to Raymond Kane's house, I told him that I had seen him perform in Boston. And that was probably five years before I had actually visited him and met him in person. And he asked me, he said, oh, that's great. Did you come up to me after the show? And I said, no. And he said, why not? I said, well, one, I didn't know that I could do that. And two, it just, it just didn't dawn on me that I should go talk to him. It sort of brought down this wall for me. Like, why should there be this separation between the audience and the stage? Uh, it's not, it's really not as high a wall as we think it is sometimes. Like the artists do want to hear from their fans and the people who enjoy their music and, you know, that I shouldn't, I shouldn't have this sort of self-imposed uh, extra barrier feeling that I can't even talk to him after the show. I think the second thing is that just music, learning music as a hobby. And, you know, it's just really taught me about trusting a process and embracing the process because when you're learning, like you said, uh, it goes back to, you really don't feel like you're an expert, but over time you just keep at it and you are making progress. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it because the learning is gradual. Sometimes you're moving up, sometimes you regress and you go down and sometimes it's just sideways and flat. Uh, because of that cyclicality, oftentimes you don't see the progress that you're making. And if you look at yourself point A to point B, like over a five-year period or 10-year period, you say, okay, I definitely have made progress. Yeah, for me, that was huge because I started playing this music just because I enjoyed the music. I found it inspirational. The, the Hawaiian tradition is really cool because there's a culture there that's being represented. So even whether I'm singing Hawaiian lyrics or playing an instrumental song, there are usually words, even if it's just an instrumental, but there are words associated to that song 
that carry meaning, continue stories and legends. And um, yeah, I think that that process is, uh, has had big, big impact on my life because I never planned to play this music outside of my living room. Uh, I had the worst stage fright ever. I would feel sick to my stomach, my hands yeah. would shake. And this is a finger picking, finger style tradition. So if your fingers are shaking and your hands are shaking, you really can't play very well. It's mm. not like I have a pick and I'm just strumming yeah. really hard like I did playing in college. This is a more delicate style. So I never thought that I'd play in front of everybody and, and uh, things have changed. So it taught me to embrace doing things that scare you. You know, you really can grow from those experiences. Was podcasting one of those things for you? The answer is yes. It's weird because I was listening to podcasts, right? I was listening to Serial. I was listening to, uh, I guess, a lot of the NPR podcasts and then mm-hmm. some of the Gimlet Media podcasts. They were coming around at that time. Startup was awesome, yeah. And I don't know why. One day I decided I enjoy like listening to podcasts and the media so much. The fact that it's on demand and you can listen and it's very intimate uh, experience. Uh, to the listener. And I thought, I think I can create a show. I think it was um, Amy Jo Martin has a podcast called Why Not Now. I was listening to her show where she really tries to dissect these moments of her guests. Why not now? It's like these pivotal moments when you had this realization or you're ready to embark on something, but it's about the action. You know, whereas you may spend a lot of time thinking about doing something, and she's trying to really isolate what was that moment when you take the leap. And that sort of gave yeah. me the extra push to say, I think that I can create a podcast. I would like to give it a try. And then listening to her show, I said, all right. I think she challenged her listeners. You know, why not now? Pick something that you're going to give the go ahead and, and, and take the leap. So yeah, for me, podcasting was that. I, I wanted to give it a go. And so far, so good. <laughs> something you mentioned i think in your in your tagline as you're entering your episodes is this idea of inspired money so that I'm, i want to ask you about the title because that's not two things that you maybe two words that usually go together <laughs> and then the other thing that that caught my ear was that this idea of making the world a better place and i'm wondering why that's important for you by day i am a financial advisor that is the family business that i that i mentioned earlier yeah, we have a registered investment advisory firm. My father started the company. Uh, I've been here. This is my 20th year. And my brother, my younger brother is also here. So we're in the business of helping people to plan for retirement and manage their money, inspired money. I thought that it comes down to America. There is a gap between where people need to be and there's a gap in financial literacy. If you look at the data, it's like 42% of Americans are not saving money for retirement. And I think by some measure, it's like 66% of people have little to no retirement savings. So there's a problem there. In trying to come up with a podcast, I was trying to think about how can I make money a more interesting subject? And how can it be presented in a way that it's more compelling, more interesting. And they always say that podcasts should either be entertaining, educational, or inspiring. 
I think that inspire, inspired money is potentially could be all three of those, uh, hopefully all of the above. And I think by, or by featuring guests who have inspiring money stories, either they're building a business or they're giving money away to help people. Uh, there are all different ways of looking at money and of using money. So one of my goals is to try to you know, shift people's or shift listeners' perspectives on money and hopefully also inspire them to think about money and to talk about money because that's sort of half the battle. I think when it comes to personal finance, it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated a thing. We make it complicated you know, all too often because we're busy in our, in our lives, responding to emails and paying bills and doing the things that we need to do. We just don't think about or talk about money enough. All too often, it's just a subject that's neglected. And um, I think that by having inspiring stories, having, you know, talking about money mindset and really trying to explore inspiring stories related to money, it just gets people thinking and hopefully in a positive light. What's been the um, feedback over the, the time you've been doing the show? So far, so good. I mean, I think feedback is good because people, one, they're just surprised that they listen and they're like, oh, wow, you're, you actually have interesting guests. And I say, all right, well, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I should be insulted or not. When, well, you do mix it up because, I mean, you have the, you know, Zach Pennon, who normally people wouldn't think of as a guest on a podcast about, you know, financial literacy. And, and I love the fact that you just keep mixing it up. You know, you've had people from like Broadway entrepreneurs and just a whole mix of, and I'm wondering if you could talk through this because I think new podcasters feel like they need to follow a formula. And if it's going to be a podcast about, money? Well, I need to have all these financial experts on and we can talk about budgeting and, and retirement plans and all these other acronyms and sets and Roths and all this stuff that just makes people's heads spin. But it seems like you took a different approach and, and maybe you're scratching your own itch in the, at the same time. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, we started this conversation, we started our conversation talking about Hawaiian slacky guitar, you know, me not wanting to perform in public. Yeah, I guess it's multifaceted. I like to do a lot of different things. But as far as the podcast goes, I think that that's the fun of it, right? That, that there's variety, that there's diversity, talking to different people. There's a reason why there's the phrase that you know, money is what makes the world go round. Like it or not, it's something that is part of our lives and we need, we need money to feed ourselves and clothe, our, clothe ourselves and put a roof over our heads. It's something that we all have to deal with, even Zach Penn. It's really cool to be able to talk to you know, such a diverse group of people. I mean, I enjoy talking to like, creatives. I've talked to musicians and the screenwriter in Zach's case. I've talked to uh, the Broadway entrepreneur. Uh, and then business people, right? I talked to the uh, CEO and founder of the Maui Brewing Company, who was, I think, last year's Small Business Administration Business of the Year. Wow. So it's just cool talking to people who are, are either building something. And then on the flip side of that, I've talked to like executive directors of nonprofits, or mm -hmm. I talked to uh, Gret Glyer, who's a really young guy who started... Uh, he created an app so that people can download an app to their smartphone and then 
donate money to third world countries like mm. Africa. Um, he had spent time in Malawi, uh, one of the poorest places in the world. Mm-hmm. And he, he saw that just like a small amount of money can make such a huge impact on children's lives and people's lives there. So he created an app. And it's really cool because you can, you can see like there are, there are people on the other side. So almost like caseworkers where they're uploading a case where a young girl needs a medical procedure or a little boy needs a wheelchair. Mm. And, uh, you know, I can be sitting here in New Jersey, find on the app, oh, this little boy needs a wheelchair. I'll donate specifically to that um, need. And then they'll take my donation, get the wheelchair, and then send me a video back of the boy wow. receiving the uh, wheelchair. And it, it, it just connecting people. It's just cool um, seeing all these different ways that uh, money impact our lives and you know, the positive things that are, that are being done. Make sure you uh, send me a link to that, uh, either that episode or, the, or that uh, and the apps. So we can put those in the show notes. Yeah, happy to do that. Happy to do that. And then I think that the other thing about money is that, you know, some of the themes that we're exploring are that money doesn't necessarily buy happiness. What are the other dimensions to money, right? Like exploring purpose and meaning and what does bring people fulfillment? There's a, re- a relation to money, but oftentimes money is not the, you know, at the forefront. It's sort of a byproduct. Can you talk about what was your inspiration as you were putting the format of the show together? I noticed that you have, uh, you play a listener question when you're uh, during Zach's interview, and you also have a, a tip of the week. Yeah, Harry, it is all a grand experiment. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I'm willing to try different things. The listener yeah. question was the first time that I ever did that. The money tip is a relatively new thing, but something that I added, I don't know, maybe six or seven episodes ago. And I, I just thought that it was sort of a nice compliment to, you know, I'm interviewing a guest and trying to explore what is their unique path? What are their unique views on money? How do they define success? And by sticking a money tip in the middle, I think that it's a nice contrast. It's like a short but sweet, actionable tip that the listener can take away in addition to hopefully some takeaways that come out of the conversation with the guest. I didn't get the sense that it was intrusive. So uh, I'm assuming you you do that all in post-production. The money tip? The tip and the, uh, well, the listener question, you actually mentioned it in the interview. So you had that handy, but is the money tip post-production? Yeah, the money tip is post-production. I sort of, uh, I break the uh, interview into act one, act two, and I stick the money tip in the middle. That's interesting because it's, I mean, that's obviously, you know, a lot of the folks we work with as clients, they, they have a podcast as an extension of their content marketing and they want to use it to build business. And so I think when we're getting started, we're, you know, new podcasters are always trying to figure out, you know, is there a way that I can monetize the podcast or I can tie it into what I do? And I think having that tip of the week is almost like your little mid-roll ad, but in a way that's providing value and not just inserting something and, and, and you tying it into the content of episodes. I think it works together wonderfully. I'm trying. Well, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Someone who has a much bigger and, you know, a long running popular uh, financial podcast whose opinion I trust. He he told me one time, he said, you know what? I really like your show, but 
it's a little bit of a misnomer. It could just be called inspired. It doesn't have to be inspired money. But I told yeah. him that, you know, I do want to tie it back to my day job. Yeah, the money tip is like the Runnymede money tip of the week. My company is Runnymede Capital Management. I want the two to be linked together. The podcast is, it is a deliberate part of our content marketing effort. I mean, we, we started like a company blog about four years okay. ago and, you know, we write articles there. And uh, like I said, because I enjoy the podcasting medium, I thought it'd be a great way just to sort of a different way for our brand to get our company name out and uh, engage uh, listeners. Uh, I was kind of curious, is there a way to sort of cross promote between podcast audience and blog audience and uh, hopefully grow the two together. It's all, like I said, it's all an experiment and I'm enjoying the process and we'll see where it goes. Talk to me a little bit about, did you have discussions with your business partners, which are your family, it's a family owned business. So (laughs) did you talk to them about what you were trying or you just started the podcast on your own and then found a way to marry them together down the road? It's a little bit of both. Uh, I think in the planning stage, I did. I explained to them what my thoughts were, what my intentions were, uh, what I wanted to try to accomplish. And I think my father really had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, My brother understood. And Mm -hmm. he listens to some podcasts, interestingly, different different podcasts from what I listen to usually. Yeah. So he was aware. And so once I started it, I mean, I think that I pretty much conceptualized the idea of the show on my own, figured out what I wanted to do. You know, who I talk to is sort of partially in my control. And, you know, a lot of it is not like you don't know who's going to who's going to accept the invitation. But I think as far as the company was concerned, they understood what my motivation was and what I wanted to accomplish. So there was no resistance there. And I did have enough planning ahead of time I think that the pieces were all there. It wasn't a case of trying to fit it in after the fact. The planning process, you know, it was thought 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 out enough that, you know, how will the podcast fit together with the blog? I mean, I think they're different, but there's enough of a connection that, you know, for the two to appear on the same website is not like too crazy. So it's interesting because I know a lot of podcasters, I, I think, maybe think when they're get, getting started that they'll start a blog, but then it ends up being like the show notes end up being their blog because... Because <laughs> no one has enough time. Exactly. That's what I'm finding. I mean, even just publishing on a weekly schedule, you know, can be grueling sometimes. Oh, yeah. The next week comes much quicker than I, than I wish that it did. I mean, I, I have a family too. I have three young kids. And, you know, I confess that I publish every Tuesday at 6 a.m., I've had a number of late Monday nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure a lot of podcasters listening can relate to that, especially in the beginning when you feel like you've made that public commitment, you know, confessed myself on, on my show that I know I try to be consistent, but then I'm, I'm building a business. I do some traveling and sometimes real life takes over and I just, I just let them know in the next episode, Hey, sorry, it's been a week or missed last week or something like that. But just as long as you maintain that open line with your listeners and just, let them know real life sometimes takes over. I think they appreciate that. Well, one of the best pieces of advice that I got before launching the show officially, I talked to a few, a few friends, one buddy of mine who has 
I think he had over 500 episodes published. Wow. Uh, he has a Hawaiian music podcast. It's the Hawaiian Music Concert Guide. I asked him, I said, hey, his name's Pico. I said, Pico, you have any advice for me? I'm thinking about starting a podcast. And uh, he and I got on the phone and he said, it's a long game. You have to commit to a publishing schedule and mm -hmm. commit to doing it for a year before you even consider stopping. Because only then can you try to assess, like, where are you? Are you enjoying it? Are you not enjoying it? Is your audience growing? I committed to, I committed that much. I, I, I want to try to get an episode out uh, every Tuesday. I started on Mondays, but realized that I need the extra day after the week. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Tuesday morning's perfect for me. I'd like to get 52 episodes out in a year's time. You know, then I can reassess. But I got to tell you, Harry, I have some work to do because I will be traveling some this summer. I need to get like my backlog. I need to in increase my pipeline. Otherwise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some problems. Have you had a, uh, a slack key guitarist on your show? I've had two. Okay, cool. Episode one was uh, Kimo West, who is a slack key guitarist, but He's actually better known as the longtime guitarist of Weird Al Yankovic's band. He's been a member of the band for, I think, over 25 years. I'm a big fan of his because like most of the late night TV show musicians, these are like the best musicians in the world because they have to yeah. be able to play any style. It doesn't matter uh, this guy, Kimo. He has to be able to play Van Halen guitar solos in the right music of beat it when weird al is singing eat it that's funny and then there's like uh, lady gaga right he's got to be able to play madonna he has to play all styles yeah. of music so he's just a fantastic musician and then there's another musician from the big island of hawaii and uh his name's lt smooth his background's super interesting because he grew up as a gangbanger really a drug dealer as a kid wow. in new zealand and uh, really turned his life around I think after high school and now he is a musician. He's dedicated to helping children. He visits prisons because he understands, you know, what that given his past experience and the hardships that he had in his life, uh, he wants to, he connects with the kids who are incarcerated and really an inspiring story because, uh, the CEO of Salesforce is a big fan of his. So, it gives him opportunities. I think he's performed at Salesforce's big conference every year. Maybe not every year, but he's performed there. And he's also performed with U2's Bono and like some really big superstars in Davos in Switzerland because of the connection with uh, Salesforce. It's so fun because I'm, I'm sure those are hold a special place. Those conversations hold a special place in your heart because obviously because as, since that's an instrument that you play, that you're a fan of and that you, you know the history. You can, you feel like you can, you can just go deep with those conversations. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm certainly a fan. I mean, it's always fun to, uh, as a fanboy, to be interviewing people that you look up yeah. to and admire. As you think about, I mean, it, it sounds like you're, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of the types of guests because you had, you know, if you had the screenwriter on from Ready Player One, was that something that you just was a cold outreach or is just, again, is it, is it just another case of you scratching your own itch and you're like, oh, this guy seems interesting. I want to talk to him. With him, it's like a friend of a friend. Okay. 
like you. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I didn't know him. I sort of knew him before, but not super well. Having a podcast does give you a platform, as you know, yeah. to talk to all kinds of interesting people that probably would not have talked to me otherwise. Well, it's so funny the way it works, because if you, if you hadn't had that connection to that friend, then you wouldn't have interviewed him, which wouldn't have inspired you to create an audiogram <laughs> to what Steven Spielberg would have created, which wouldn't have caught my eye, which would have resulted in us never having met. Right. So See, so you just follow the series of, yeah, you just follow the breadcrumbs. Yeah, yeah. And that, that stuff fascinates me. I love that when I start thinking about that stuff. So what, what has got you excited as you think about the future of the show and, and where you want to take it? And I know you said it's a grand experiment, but are, are there things that you still want to try and, and dream guests you have on your list? Oh, that's a great question. I think that Tina Fey has, there's a quote that I love. The fun is always on the other side of yes. You know, it goes back to me never wanting to play music outside of my living room. Like I was so comfortable there. But what ended up happening is that there aren't that many people playing Hawaiian music in the New York tri-state area. There are only a handful of us. So because of that, I get invited on these like crazy adventures. I think about them now and they're unbelievable. Um, I'll give you two examples. One, I was driving to work one day and my cell phone rang. I didn't, I didn't recognize the phone number. And for some reason, I decided to answer that day. The voice on the other side of the line said, this is, this, is, this, is, um, this is Christy Brinkley's assistant. We're looking for some Hawaiian music this Friday. Could you come out to you know, the Hamptons and play this special event? You, know, you fast forward, next thing I know, <laughs> I'm playing this like tree dedication in the middle of town just for Christy Brinkley and her family. You know, her daughter, Alexa Ray, was there. That's um, Billy Joel's daughter. It was just like maybe eight, eight or 10 of them. And then they invited me out to dinner afterwards. It, it was crazy. Wow. That's a magical story there. I have another one. I, I was down in Disney with my family. I think I went to a conference and you know, took my... I have three kids. I think it was just my daughter that year. The oldest one. The other two weren't born yet. And my cell phone rang and I answered the phone. And there was a guy. He said, we're looking for an ukulele player. Would you like to be in this movie? And I said, well... Yeah, sure. I've never been. He's like, it's an independent film. They don't have a big budget, but you know, would you be interested in being in the film? So I said, yes. The movie is called The Little Tin Man. Kay Cannon plays the female lead. She's actually more well-known as a writer. She wrote for 30 Rock. She wrote the Pitch Perfect series of movies. Okay. Most recently, she directed the movie Blockers. So she's a big deal. And it's a really cute movie. I'm in there playing the ukulele dressed as Elvis. I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, I'm, I'm the Chinese Elvis playing the ukulele in this little movie. But, you know, the possibilities, you don't know where you're going to go. And I feel like the yeah. same is with the podcast. I mean, I hope to... I want to grow the community. I want to grow the downloads like all of us do. Um, mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I'm just having a blast talking to different people. I've told both my father and my brother, I said... Even if I had zero listeners, I think it's still worth doing because oh, yeah. I feel like I'm learning a tremendous amount just talking to the guests. And you know, to talk to some of these people for 40 to 60 minutes, I come away with it with takeaways. And I hope that listeners will join me for that journey. 
um, because I'm, I'm just, I'm enjoying it so much. I'm learning so much. I think that it's making me a better person. So I don't know where it's going to go, but it's just like with the music. I never plan to play outside of my living room. And then next thing I know, I'm having dinner with Christy Brinkley's family. Um, you <laughs> know, amazing. anything can happen. You know, you, yeah. you shoot for the stars, you settle for the moon. It's that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. you try to have plans, but you don't really know where it's going to go. You're open to the possibilities. And I think uh, when you put yourself in a position where you're like in the, in the stream of where creativity is happening, I, naturally people are going to be drawn to that and find you. And they found you, you know, because of your talents as a musician. And now because of a podcast, I'm sure that sort of thing is happening. And this, this interview is an example of that as well. So it's really fascinating. And it's one of the reasons I do the show because I just love talking to people. And I just, the, the fact that we have a, a shared love of podcasting is where we start. And then we just never know where it's going to go. And it's just always fascinating to be able to have these conversations with people from all over the world. Definitely. Definitely. I enjoyed your episode with Jordan Harbinger. And, yeah, you know, job. I see the parallels there too, because I know that Jordan does a lot of preparation for mm -hmm. every interview. And it's kind of like that. It's like you prepare like crazy. Then you have to be flexible because you don't know where the conversation is going to go. Yeah. So you don't it's know what the possibilities nice. are going to be. And it's nice to know that you have that preparation done. So if you need to, to, to lean on it, you can, but it's, uh, it's helpful for, for him. So I just had a, a couple more questions as we, as we wrap up. Um, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? Something that I changed my mind about? Hmm, that's a really good question. Well, podcast related, what I go back and forth all the time is like, one is format and two is length of the show. I'm yeah. never really sure. And I've experimented with that a little bit. I mean, I've always been, since I started, I was comfortable with like 45 minutes, maybe an hour if things go long. You know, I've been told... When you solicit feedback, you hear like all the answers. I heard 15 minutes, I heard 30 minutes, I heard 60 minutes. So in the end, I, I sort of had to go back to where I started. I mean, I kind of agreed when people told me, all right, shorter is better, especially for a personal finance podcast because people are kind of turned off by, yeah. <laughs> by, by a business uh, yeah. podcast. It's not like talking about the Yeti or the Loch Ness Monster or UFOs, which I'm a little bit envious of sometimes because it seems like if I talked about UFOs, oh, yeah. maybe I can grow that's my the, audience quicker. I'm not sure. That's the Joe Rogan three-hour podcast. <laughs> so I've kind of gone back and forth. So to answer your question, it's like I wanted to go shorter. I kind of tested it out. I'm kind of going back to where I, I think is the sweet spot, which is around 45 minutes because I, I think that the extra amount of time just gives me a little bit more leeway to mm -hmm. like dig a little bit more deeper and make the conversation yeah. more meaningful. I think in 30 minutes, it's just really short. And it is. It's hard. Yeah. I think my questions would have to be super laser focused. Yeah. You'll lose a lot in that structure because you feel like I got to get to the questions and I've only got 30 minutes and they're, they're, I get the sense that the sense there's a rushed aspect to it. So yeah. And then I go back and forth on editing too. It's like, how much should I edit? Because I've done both. I've yeah. kind of experimented with, uh, I've heard like some of the, uh, you know, the NPR podcasts are highly edited. And for me to make even an attempt to do that is kind of insane because oh, yeah. I'm doing it on my own, right? They have like a full staff. They have a full time yeah. staff of people doing this. Um, but yeah. I did listen to like death, sex and money 
I really enjoy that show. So I've, I've experimented a couple of times taking the interview and having a little bit more edited. I don't know. You do what time allows. I go yeah, back and exactly. forth. I mean, you want natural, you want, I'm trying to find that happy medium between, uh, you know, what makes sense, how much editing should there be. But at the end of the day, I think audience, right? You're thinking about the audience first. So whatever it is, yeah. whether it's highly edited or not, I want to deliver like the best program possible. You know, you try to cut out the stuff that's not necessary and you keep the good stuff in. And best case scenario, you've edited and people don't even know that you edited. Yeah. Right. That's the magic. It's like you want it to be on point. You want to get rid of any stuff that just doesn't belong. Yeah. Hopefully, if you've edited well, people don't even know. You always want it to sound natural either way. Totally. Yeah. Um, No, what's the most misunderstood thing about you? Most misunderstood. I think that we're always looking at ourselves. It's like, are you extroverted? Are you introverted? I think that we're all like ambiverts because it's hard to be one or the other. Everybody tends to be like a little bit of both. That's where it's hard to judge the book by the cover because you see someone speaking and talking a lot, which sometimes is my case. Certainly. My wife tells me, especially when you're trying to like leave someplace, whether mm-hmm. you're trying to leave church or leave a party, and she's yeah. like, you won't shut up. We got to get out of here. <laughs> uh, but I don't think I'm really extroverted because if I go to a conference, it's like after spending a time, after spending the whole day uh, right. trying to network and talk to different people, I'm exhausted. I mean, I do enjoy peace and quiet. So, you know, it's like a little bit of both, but. Yeah, I think that not necessarily extroverted. Uh, maybe we're, we're all extroverted and introverted at the same time. We're all really confused is what it comes down to. Situational is how I've heard it described as well. Yeah, that makes sense. So Andy, thank you so much for this uh, time together. I'm glad I reached out. Uh, I had no idea where, as usual, these go, but it's fascinating to hear stories. And uh, <laughs> I know the listeners are going to get the kick out of it. So I really appreciate you taking the time. To come hey, on. it's my pleasure to be on. It's, uh, it, it's so good to be among the guests on your show. And congratulations on four plus years. And you're going to be thank hitting you. 200 episodes before you know yeah. it. So yeah. thank you for having me on it. Uh, I, I'm I'm just honored to be among such great company. Well, I got the sense really quickly that you take a lot of pride in your show and, and, and that came through in the way you're promoting it and the way you talk about it. And so that's I knew this was going to be a good conversation. So where's the best place for folks to track you down if they want to connect with you? Uh, they can find me at inspiredmoney.fm or on Twitter at runnymeetcap. But yeah, go to uh, inspiredmoney.fm and you can find me there. You can find out about my company, about the podcast and, and about our blog. Where can they hear your music? That, <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that is the question that uh, is hard to answer. I, I don't have any recordings. I have a couple of songs that appear on Friends okay. CDs. I'm actually going to be... The New York Botanical Garden has this, uh, this uh, Georgia O'Keeffe exhibit this mm-hmm. whole spring going into the fall. And uh, because, because of her time in Hawaii, she has paintings that were inspired by Hawaii and the Botanical mm-hmm. Garden has amazing programs set up. And I'll be there uh, several times in June playing music. Well, maybe you can give me those dates. We'll put those in the show notes as okay, well. Okay, we'll do. We'll do. <laughs> hey, look forward to seeing you. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. So thanks again to Andy for coming on the show. And it was nice to see him in person, at least to put a face to the name, even if it was only for a brief 
chat, I think, outside the hotel. Um, we had a lot of fun at the conference, and I think we're going to have a chance to catch up afterwards. And I'm glad I had the chance to share his story with you. Podcastjunkies.com uh, forward slash 174. Enjoy an outro music composed by Cedar and Soil, cedarsoil.com. And don't forget to tune in next week for my conversation with Maurice Cherry, host of Revision Path. Also, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to receive my weekly updates, podcastjunkies.com forward slash uh, A-Tools. If you made it this far, you want the retention hashtag. I'm going to have a little fun with this one. And uh, Andy, <laughs> Andy will definitely appreciate it. Uh, we had a little bit of an email exchange. And in one of the emails, he said, hello, Jen. And uh, I, I couldn't help but give him a little grief about that. So uh, that was fun when we were trying to connect at Podcast Movement. So when he saw me in person, he's, he said, hello, Jen. <laughs> so he's got a good sense of humor as well. So he'll appreciate that the retention hashtag this week is hello, Jen, H-E-L-L-O-J-E-N. And his uh, Twitter handle is Runnymead. It's his company, um, Capital. So it's uh, R-U-N-N-Y-M-E-D-E-C-A-P. That's his Twitter handle. And tag him and tag, tag podcast underscore junkies. Thanks all, for all you do to support the show. Thanks for your patience in getting this episode out and for uh, putting up with the, the sound quality here. Um, it's not a, a little uh, less than what I'm, I'd, I'd like to put out there, but I think it's more important to get the content out and the core of it is really good. So always testing new opportunities and, and, and uh, new gear on the road. So I'll be trying a couple of different intros over the next couple of weeks. So, so let me know what you think. Have a fantastic day.